greens, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, rams, hogs, dogs, chicken, turkeys, rabbits, you name it! Beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, rams, hogs, dogs, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, turkeys, rabbits, you name it! This is the Five Point Play Podcast, the Die Hard Duke Basketball Fans Podcast. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Hope you're all ready to be with plenty of uh, family, friends, and Duke trip to fans. Am I right? <laughs> yes. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll see myself out. I was terrible. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm already losing it uh, holiday time. So, um, you know, let's talk about, uh, we had a couple games recently. Delaware, Jack, you were there. Uh, what, was, what, what was what was Cameron like? What was the atmosphere like in the? Uh... It was it was beautiful environment. Uh, it was interesting, you know. They didn't do the bow uh, the crazies usually do for Coach K. Not that that's uh, something to be expected, but you know, it was it was just a very interesting interesting experience. Team played really well, mm-hmm. I thought, uh, especially in the second half. But you what? know, it was nice to see Coach Shire come out. What do you, what what is your feeling on the like in person, the crazies, Jack? I love it. I've I've been to a few games at Cameron. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, it was my second time seeing Duke play Delaware in Cameron. Believe it or not, and every time I've been there, it's been crazy. It's been loud. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe it's me. I feel like a. I don't think I don't think the crazies show up on TV as well as they do in person. Oh no! And not b just from what. And I know, I know, TK can speak to this too. Just from like the the '90s and early 2000s and such, I just don't feel like they're as creative with the cheers and such as they used to be. Well, I mean, some of that is that you know they've been yelled at by administration <laughs> True. about some things that have happened in the past. True. You so. can even say it. I think you can even say it though. To AC's point, um, even with the foul shots, you know, uh, they just they do the same thing. And so, you know, everybody kind of ripped off you know, Michigan State's obviously the classic example of ripping off the crazies, um, you know, behind the fast, behind the basket foul shot distractions. Um, we, we just don't see it though that much anymore. You know, mm-hmm. they, they used to have five or six every game that they would just rotate through. Mm-hmm. Now it's like they all do that one where everybody like, kind of leaves their hand to the left and then tries to, mm-hmm. and, and they're always late. I don't know. It's just a pet peeve of mine. They're always late. Yeah, they, they alternated. They alternated. On did they? Okay. Okay. Oh yeah, they did a few. Also, that's the okay. grad student section now, so it's not yeah. for sure. It's, not it, the it, it, but it's usually you know it's started by one of the guys in the grad mm-hmm. student, and then that triggers yeah. the rest of the you know student section of what, here's what's going to happen in the, on this free throw. And remember too, yeah. they used to have the cheer sheet. They used yeah, to have the, they they used to have the scouting sheet. Do they, they still do that? They still do. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, I think the biggest thing is that the student section is. About half the size it used to be. Cause it used to be both sides, both sidelines in one baseline. Now it's just one sideline. Yeah, I, I, I know that I've stood on the away from TV side um, of the Cameron Crazies, and, and you're absolutely right about that. And it wasn't like it was full uh, on the other side, always with Crazies, but that's how they would, you know, the mm-hmm. people that couldn't get in the first time or, you know, into the main TV side, they would shoehorn them into the other side. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it's. I think when you're there, you feel it, uh, especially in big games. But in the grand scheme of things, I, I don't think that they're as electrifying as they mm-hmm. 
if they were. And I, I don't know that AC that could be us being kind of off my lawn guy. Maybe, but I mean that that UNC game last year, man. Like the energy on campus was just so high before that game, and I know we lost, but prior to even like when we were winning that game against UNC, I just felt like the building was just not electric. You know, what I mean? maybe maybe it was the moment, maybe it was like the realization it was K's last game or something. I don't know. I don't. I, you know, I'm making excuses now, but it just didn't. I, I think we talked about it on that podcast even following. It just didn't feel like it. It didn't feel like. This was Kay's last game, and we're trying to send Kay out of Cameron with a win against UNC. It didn't feel like that from the crazies. Yeah, I always, I don't, you know, we're kind of going off on a tangent here, but, you know, it's a good conversation because, you know, I know that, you know, speaking of that game, but a lot of times in big games, you know, when Duke is down, that's when the crowd mm-hmm. really starts standing into it to try to pick them up. Um, maybe they were quiet theory. when UNC yeah, took I just don't, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see that as much anymore. Mm-hmm. And there were moments, like there were moments we were losing our mind in there, and it was wild, like it was great. But like I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe my expectation is just different. But it just, it didn't feel like what I was accustomed. It didn't feel like the the Duke UNC game when with little Ding there in 04 with JJ Redd and slide across the floor after he made the defensive plan with Shot McGann. It, it didn't feel like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, but you know, I think that's a, a good, especially during the. Uh, kind of like the Christmas break, maybe something we can kind of spend some time on, you know, mm-hmm. going back through old tapes. Because I know that, especially during the offseason, we all watch old games, mm-hmm. and you can and you can see it. it. It's something that is right in front of you. You can't miss it. Yeah. Um, and maybe some of that is Big EV, <laughs> you know, kind of, you know, doing his thing. Uh, but, you know, again, it's, it's still Cameron at the end of the oh, day. Yeah. And, you know, Jack, you were there. Uh, another win for us, 92-58 kind of started – um, you know, Delaware kind of came back a little bit in that first half, and then we just kind of put him away. And that seems to be a little bit of our calling card so far mm-hmm. this year, where coming out in the second half, we just, you know, turn up the defensive pressure, which, again, that's kind of an old Duke staple, mm-hmm. where you come out and you turn up the defense, defensive pressure, leads to turnovers, leads to baskets, which in turn, Jack, leads to the crazies getting really in, really fired up, really into it. What did you say oh, yes, that game you liked? I mean, also, I think, you know, that 22 to 50 scoring differential in that second half, mm-hmm. that's huge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was huge, obviously. Especially, I mean, it was a six-point game at half. The team did not play their best basketball in the first 20. Yeah. But, you know, by the end of it, you is know, that a even though he fouled out, played really well. Sorry, Jack. Is, is that a testament to Shire? I feel like it is, right? Like, this decade, I feel like, Coming out of the half, this team has not been solid, even in even in the gimme games. Like, in, in, not a shot at K at all. I, I have to keep saying that, but th- that's not what I'm saying. I just I just feel like the past few years, coming out of the half, we've given up some leads because we, we used to go into the half the past couple of seasons like double digits, and it's like, oh, this is a cakewalk, and then all of a sudden here comes a team back in the game. Whereas with the the, the Shire era so far, it's kind of been the opposite. It's been close games at the half, and then he comes out of the half with something, and we just blow him out of the water. Is that is that a testament to him? I mean, it kind of reminds me of that 2017-18 team where, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember the uh, the Phil Knight tournament. I'm pretty sure every single game in that tournament, Duke was losing at half yes. and won. Including Portland State. <laughs> yeah, that I remember that one vividly. It was awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that it's a second-half was- team. Yeah, it really was. I mean, that team, I, I think they kind of almost bought into their own hype before every single tip-off. 
Um, <laughs> they get themselves down just to challenge themselves, and mm-hmm. then they would have to come in, come in with some ridiculous comeback rules against Texas. Yeah, right? Texas. Yep. Yeah, Texas and Florida. Ridiculous. And Florida. Yeah. Florida the blew two separate fifteen point leads in that game. Yeah. One yep. in the first yeah. half, one in the second. Yep. Jeez. Um, ah, the Delaware game, Jack. Um, the Whitehead, you know, does come off the uh, come off the bench, ends up getting in there. Uh, we kind of thought that he was going to start uh, or make his first comeback game against Bellarmine. He ends up doing it on Friday night. Plays fifteen, almost sixteen minutes. He takes eleven shots. Um. What were kind of your first reactions seeing him live? It was awesome. It was <laughs> absolutely awesome. Um, I mean, I didn't expect him to start. You know, he's he's still adjusting to everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he he um, he struggled to get the ball to go into the hoop. Which I mean, he's a little rusty. His shots, for the most part, in both of those first two games we've seen him play, have been short. Mm-hmm. He's still getting used to it. He's still getting his legs under him. I, I mean, it was awesome to see him in the defensive intensity. Was certainly, there he had two steals against Delaware. Yep. A couple of rebounds. He had six points on three made shots. I think you know he's still adjusting and integrating into the offense, but I think at the end of the day, he's he's going to be a really good player. You can already see it. He did have that bucket. Um, I got I got a video of his first yes, bucket. Brian Young, a beautiful post pass. Mm-hmm. That baseline cut was nice. Yeah, it was a great baseline cut. Beautiful post pass to a cutting white head for an easy lay. Get him on the board. I think he just needed to see a couple of shots fall, I think, as he sees more and more shots fall, more and more are going to go in. Kind of like Proctor those first few games. I think Proctor's a good segue there, AC, because, you know, the first few games, talk about guys that are trying to like find their way. Mm-hmm. Second half of that Kansas game, he sees a couple go down. Kind of trails over to the Delaware game where, you know, he kind of gets to go in early, five or 10 from the field, one or two from three. Yeah. Has a double double, 13 points, 10 rebounds, credited a lot to that, to, to the big man there. Probably, you know, to be honest with you, probably took uh, the, the, the next double double away from Flip. <laughs> you probably. got it better, right? But like, dude, like his rebounding, can we talk about that for a second? Cause yeah. that is, it's impressive the way he rebounds as a guy. He mixes it up. Like he, like this is this is that Aussie toughness that you talk about. Like Jack White, we talk about how he's Australian. You know, grew up playing Australian rules football, some of the other stuff. And Proctor is kind of in the same boat with just. I mean, that maybe it's cliche to talk about it, but the Australian players are tough, man. And and that hey, was one hey, thing. Quick time out on that. Quick time out on that. Yeah, but as a got? Sixers fan, I have to disagree. <laughs> okay, except for one. <laughs> except for one. <laughs> There's there one out there that grew up playing. I don't know what he. I don't know what he played, but it wasn't that. Clearly, it wasn't Australian rules football. But um, but no, you know, you're right. But but Proctor is he's showing a toughness that I, I really love. He doesn't get down on himself, even if. And we talked about this before too. There's gonna be. We said it. There's gonna be games where he doesn't look great. But the one thing he's always gonna do is he's gonna have some positive effect on the game, whether it's defensively, whether it's his passing. He's going to do something, and and I think just more and more, th- this team ceiling. We said it before. This team ceiling is, in my opinion, it's a one big lineup as opposed to two, and it's also with the ball in Tyrese Proctor's hands. The minute he is fully capable of taking over for this team, this team hits their peak, and their peak is absolutely good enough to contend with anybody in the nation right now, based on what I've seen across college basketball. 
I think I think that's fair. Uh, you know, another thing that I like to see from Shire is that there are nine guys that played at least fifteen minutes in that game, mm-hmm. uh, including including Whitehead. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about one of them though, Jalen Blake's man, that guy. Yes, sir. <laughs> dude, I mean. I'm posing uh, right now. If you can't see, I, I got the flex. If you can't see it right I'm now, I'm telling you, this the guy. We can, flex, we can kind of, you know, we're going to talk about both this game and the Bellarmine games, and we can kind of talk about them at one. Uh, after the Bellarmine game, you know, Shire goes out there and asked a question about Blake and Grandison, so give him credit too. Mm-hmm. Just about the, the fact that they're winners, and so focusing on Blake, he just makes one in place. I mean, that's what yeah. he does defensively. He's not afraid to mix it up. I love him getting up into players defensively, one on one calls. It's just a, an old fashioned Duke, yes. you know, getting your face defense um, on the ball. He's not afraid to, to drive in. You know, he's comfortable stepping into his shot. He's a guy that he's going to be there the entire year. And I know that we always hear the comparisons, right? Mm-hmm. And and he's ad nauseum at this point with with Goldwater and and Thornton and all this stuff. He's better. But this guy, he's better. this guy's the real deal. This guy's this guy's got deal. Demarcus Nelson, Trevon Duvall frame. Yes, he's so and much better. And the skill match as <laughs> please a point guard. He, he, he does. Yep. Do me a favor and please stop comparing him to Jordan Goldwire and Tyler Thornton. Please stop. He's better. He's so much he's better. Got, he's got way more physical tools than either of them. Yeah, he's so and, much and better. And the, the comparisons are correct. You know, Demarcus Nelson's the the name that we've always thrown out there, mm-hmm. and Jack, I know you've thrown out Duvall. Um, I mean, they're I mean, the same height and they have the same wingspan. Yeah, Duvall yeah, just did, doesn't shoot it like Blake's has so far. Not yeah, mention, I think, think Duvall's a better athlete, but you know, oh, yeah, you know, but that that's it. You know, who would you mm-hmm. rather have right now? And kind of no disrespect, but I'd rather have Blake's. Mm-hmm. The guy can come out there and he, you have to at least respect him from three. Yeah, I mean, yeah. as is on this team, I'd rather have Blake's. Yeah, and and not to mention, like he's he's defending, he's not turning the ball over. He's shooting fifty percent from three on two and a half shots a game. Like that's that's not negligible. Like fifty percent from three right. on two and a half shots a game is really good. <laughs> like, the, like he's he's playing good ball, man. Like, yeah, he he's so much better than those the, the other role players people are mentioning. Like he's he's actually he's probably closer to that ninety two team that had Marty Clark who was coming off the bench as a fire starter. Like, you know what I mean? Like Ooh. that that's closer to what he is than a Goldwire or a Thornton. So please let's stop comparing him to those two. And so let's talk about Grandison real quick then. You know, he plays almost 20 minutes, doesn't miss a shot, gets four rebounds. You know, so the guy, you know, had struggled. Let's be honest, he struggled mm-hmm. a little bit there, doesn't play a whole lot in that Kansas game because mm-hmm. of those struggles. He comes right back and shows, hey, I'm still a winner. I can still have a role on this team. A lot of Duke fans have written him off. Mm-hmm. Understandable to a degree, but you gotta let these guys find their way. Right. And you know, I kind of love AC. You said this on our boot uh, chat that him and Blake coming in together is yeah. just an instant boost of energy. Absolutely, it's it's trouble for the other team because number one, you're bringing off two lengthy like dog defenders who are just gonna come out and just they're they're gonna be in your face the entire time. They're gonna guard you all the way out to the half court line, if not further. They're going to be clapping at you. They're going to do all, all the things. And then and Grandison, like all the things he does, man, like can we please stop looking at every single play and then judging each player on every single play? Like look at their overall body of work. Like Grand, yes, Grandison had struggles, but what does he do? The rebounds that he gets, the putbacks that he gets, those are worth something because he he almost always gets a putback or a couple putback like points, like rebound, offensive rebound, and then a layup afterwards. Like he's one of it's not, it's not just flip. He's one of the reasons why we're second in the nation in offensive rebounding. Grandison mixes it up down low. 
he can guard positions one through four and he can do it very well. Blake's is kind of the same way, especially because of his length, man. Like those two are just so tough and bringing those two off, off the bench together, not to mention certain lineups. There, there was a lineup against Bellarmine where those two were on the floor with Jeremy Roach, with Mark Mitchell and with uh, Ryan Young was actually the, the center on the floor. Wasn't even flipper lively. And defensively, they were shutting Bellarmine down, man. Like, it, it was so tough for them. They, they had to dribble every, instead of pass like they like to do. Like, it was, that was, it was beautiful to watch. I love Jacob Grandison, man. He's been a great addition to this team. Points on six of nine shooting uh, in the Bellarmine game, four or seven from deep. You brought up Mark Mitchell. That's, that's just another winner. You know, mm-hmm. we're starting to talk about that one-word winner and mm-hmm. what these guys do on the court because they don't let their offensive – uh, woes at times uh, dictate what they're going to do on the floor. And I think that that's really become a kind of a hallmark of the John Shire team is yeah. just overall toughness, which is what he was, Jack. He was a, he was a, a, a tough, gritty player. He didn't have all the athleticism in the world, but he made winning plays all the time. You know, especially you saw in his senior year, he wanted the ball late. He was a guy that, you know, did anything he could to win, whether that was coming off the bench to be the sixth man. It didn't matter what it was. He wanted to do whatever it could to win. And I'm seeing the same thing from Mark Mitchell. Oh, certainly. Mitchell, scrappy guy, really just doing everything he needs to. He's He's got steals. He's gotten blocks. He's running it in transition. It's just beautiful to see. He's mm-hmm. he's a do-it-all Swiss Army knife type uh, combo forward, and I've been really happy seeing it so far. Hey, can I just say, this is like the perfect – the perfect team to start John Shire's career. Like not, not too much pressure, not too much pressure. Cause it's not like you have, it's not like he had Paulo and stuff where if he didn't make it so far with Paulo Boncaro, then people are going to be like, write him off already. You know what I mean? Like, but at the same time, they're absolutely good enough to contend with anyone. And and then it it builds a brand for him because it it is, it's building that toughness brand for John Shire's teams. Like you can't keep them down. They're always going to be in the game no matter what. And if they have a lead on you, good luck. Like, cause they're going to play defense. Like it, he, he's kind of viewed as an offensive type of guy, but he, his teams are going to play defense, man. Yeah. It, it wasn't lip service when he talked about that this team and, and hopefully all of his team going forward is going to start on the defensive end. You always hear that from coaches, but we're, we're seeing it. And, and you can see the buy-in. Like the players and, are completely bought into the John Shire era. And, and I, I think, you know, no play kind of personifies that better than at the end of that Bellarmine game when mm-hmm. we're up, you know, almost 20 yes, at that sir. point. And Philip House is diving on, scrapping, clawing, you know, rips the ball away. Getting punched. And, and, getting, yeah, and, and, you know, and Teddy B and... has to come over and be like, oh, <laughs> no. Like, shut up. <laughs> Teddy B, like, fuck you. Get uh, him. God, I can't stand Teddy Bell. I don't, uh, I don't know if but I that's the story, but I met him at the 2019 ACC tournament. I'm sorry for you. Yeah, he's horrible. So I was waiting outside the arena for the gates to open, and there's mm-hmm. a guy with a suitcase right next to me. And I looked down, and it says NCAA Tournament T Valentine. <laughs> I said, excuse me, are you Ted Valentine? He said, yes. And I actually got a picture with him. I'm glad he was nice to you. I met him in a hotel bar. He was an ass. <laughs> I, was, I was wearing a Jay Williams jersey, <laughs> uh, Jay Williams Bowles jersey, which I, I actually later that day got signed by Jay Williams, which was Gets awesome. And I'll Humble brag. Yes, very much so. But exactly. he said, <laughs> "He said, yeah, Jason was one of the one of my favorite players to uh, to officiate. He was a nice guy and very fun to watch on the court." Well, fuck him because he called fouls on Jason Williams on a regular basis. I was gonna say, like, I didn't say it in the face, but like, 
I mean, I'm too young to uh, to remember watching uh, Jay Will play, but it looked it was over. A sight to uh, behold, believe me. Oh no, I've seen I've seen the tape, but I mean, I I know that TV Teddy kind of had it out. Yeah, those two teams. Yeah, constantly do. Any, anybody who can foul Shane Battier out of a game is is yeah. an asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hop, skipping, and jumping down the sidelines yeah. just to make it a routine on a bounce call. Like, come on. Yeah. Uh, Can so, we also so just talk about how we had the guy who called Wendell Carter's um, charge <laughs> a block? Roger and, Ayers. And Roger Ayers, Ted yeah. Valentine in the three game stretch. Yep. Uh, I, uh, just... it, it's, awesome. it's awesome when we have them both in the same game. I really love that. Uh, uh, Roger Ayers, though, he I think he just has ACC beef because he was the one who. Uh, he was the one who Carolina fans had a problem with in the tournament last year. I think every every fan base has a problem. I mean, yeah, no, Roger he's just a terrible ref, but <laughs> Yeah, if if you know the ref's name, I mean that's the yeah, tried and true. Like that's if you the know problem. their name, that that's the problem. Um all right. So Duke Duke, you know, was up eight at the end of the first half. Um, you know, Bellarmine, you know, they kinda made a couple, you know, nice plays at the end to, to cut it to eight. But again, then we come out thirty three, twenty four in the second half. It was a scrappy second half, kind of what we predicted. You know, we mm-hmm. were all kind of in the same prediction um, at the end of the last podcast for, for this particular game. But, you know, I will say that our defense played a lot better, holding them to 24 points in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know they didn't shoot it great, but that had a lot to do with our defense as well. Yeah. So, again, the second half, defensively clamped down. Mm-hmm. Even when, when our shots were falling in the first half, they didn't fall as much in the second half. But we didn't like that deter us. Uh, AC, I kind of want to talk about that real quick, though. The three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, can, you can kind of fall in love with it. And, you know, do I love the fact that we took 35? It I can go either way with it as long as they're in the flow, but you don't want to start right. settling, especially when we have, you know, they they, they really kind of packed it in and dared us to shoot, which we did. We, sh- we made 40% of them. But right. is that a concern at all to you? Nah, I think that was early November. Get some shots up, fellas. Like John, let them do it. Like that's the thing about it. Like, and then we had that, that TV timeout at that six and a half minute mark or so, and then they settled it back down. They ran clock, and they got some more buckets on the interior. I, it, I really felt like that was just see if you can get some game shots from three. Let the let the fellas shoot. Right, like that's one of the things in November. I'm not so concerned about the shot selection in November because that's when you're letting your players get these shots in game speed. Practice can only simulate so much. So it was last year with Paulo Bunkera. So many people complained about the shots Paulo was taking from mid range and such. Like they were going you, in, you idiots, and even the ones that didn't. Like it's, it's cool, you idiots. Like he is getting his shot ready for the end of the season. And you saw what happened in March. What happened in March is not a coincidence. It's not just talent. And it's not just practice. It was him getting those shots at game speed early in the season. That's how this works. If you've played ball, you understand. So that's exactly what is happening right now. Let these guys, like Flip. Flip's taking a bunch of shots. I don't know that Flip's going to take this many shots at the end of the season. But let him get these now because at the end of the year, you're going to want him to be able to hit some of these threes. Like Tyrese Proctor took nine threes. He's not going to do that very often this season. The, the one thing the one place I don't want to see us kind of settle for that is if we do play a zone. Cause we saw that with that RJ team the one time where they settled for 40 some threes against Syracuse and, and Cameron. So 
as long as we're not doing that on a regular basis, which we won't, it'll be situational if that ever happens again where we take 35 threes with this team, then I'm, I'm not concerned. Like, I, it, it wasn't concerning for me. I mean, I will say on that RJ note really quick, they were doing that without Trey. Right. So, I mean, I think as long as you have a guy, this team has two or three guys who can run the show and run an Absolutely. offense and make sure that something like that doesn't happen. Absolutely. Because you look like you look at the box score, no one took an outrageous amount of threes except for Proctor and Jacob Grandison had seven. Like, and he you, made four of them. Grandison, he made four of the seven, right? right. And, and Tyrese was two for nine. Like, you take some of those threes away from those guys, the number goes down. Everybody's happier with the shot selection, whatever. Else. Like, you know, it, it was not a problem in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I will just say the only thing I'm I'm concerned about with the volume is that I think it was it was eight of fourteen in the first half, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, something like that. It was, yeah, eight. It was eight to seventeen. It the team. Okay, well, the team was eight for their first fourteen. They were six for their last twenty-one. Mm-hmm. And if if that kind of percentage is is what sustains, then that's cause for concern. But and not even that th- much because that's the, still about average. Look at the threes they were taking in the second half too. The threes yeah, they were they taking were in the second half were tough standstill threes. The hardest three-point shot to make is a standstill three where you have no momentum where you're not coming off the dribble. These kids are so, especially one and done, they're so used to dribbling into their shots. It is the hardest shot to take. So I am perfectly fine with a no-nothing game in November, them taking as many standstill threes as possible to get used to doing it. Kind of switching gears here from those two games, and I want to kind of focus in on Derek Whitehead. We brought him up a little bit there, but, you know, this is the first two games that he's played. Uh, 16 minutes almost in the first half, almost 10 minutes in the, se- er, in the first game, almost 10 minutes in the second game. Uh, you know, shots again weren't falling for him. He was only one of four, uh, over three from three, uh, in the second game against Bellarmine. To me, and we've talked about this and we kind of figured this would happen, but it, his feet are just not under him. No pun intended. He, it's just not there yet. And that comes from not only conditioning and game speed, but also confidence, right? AC. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not concerned, but when do you kind of expect him, uh, to kind of like, become the reap that we're we're all looking for. I, I think it's probably the original timeline that we thought he'd actually come back, which is early December. I, I think it's going to take him that long. You see him running around. He's he's stutter stepping in, into cuts and things, whereas yeah. typically an athlete like him would be one cutting, like the one step cut and all that type of stuff that you normally see. He's he's stutter stepping into everything. He looks stiff even when you run. Like watch watch him run. He's he's very stiff with that. So, so with how he's moving into his cuts and how he's running on the floor, like that, that to me is very telling about where he is. And, and the fact also that he had the 16 minutes the first game, he was very involved and active. He took 11 shots that first game. It looked like Shire was actually trying to get him involved in the offense a little bit. Second game, four shots only, like you said, not even 10 minutes, just at that 10-minute mark. So either A, there was some soreness from the first game, and the the recovery from that first game wasn't exactly what they wanted, or B, Shire was just like, you know what, let's not even risk it, I'm not going to play you as much. One, one of those two things is the scenario there. So I'm not worried. It's part of the process. He did have a foot surgery that typically keeps players out longer. So we'll just, we'll give him some time. I think in December, we'll see, we'll see some, some real work with Dariq, maybe even like that Iowa game or something. You might see, you might see him. That might be his first game as the leading scorer for this team. Jack, I think you kind of predicted that, right? You know, you kind of compared it to the R.J. Barrett, or excuse me, the uh, Jason Tatum when he came back. You know, that type of deal where it took him a few games to 
Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a Florida game, yeah. So it, it kind of like you know picks that um, couple games under his belt, get the conditioning back, get the flow of the game, get the game speed back. Um, and do you still feel that way after seeing him live and kind of seeing him on Monday night as well? Do you kind of still feel that that's the case, or are we looking more toward the end of this fiscal year where it is you know maybe that Florida State game on New Year's Eve that we can start seeing those glimpses of the real Whitehead? I mean, I still think it's going to be earlier than later. I do. I think, I mean, if you were watching, most of his jump shots have been short, except for that last three he took against Bellarmine, which was off the back of the rim, was too strong. That's a good thing to see because he's not, you know, undershooting the ball. So I think that's a bit of a start. I think he's going to take some time. Duke has obviously three games in four days, potentially this coming week. Um, so I think we're going to see how much he's kind of reacclimated him, himself in this uh, tournament up in Portland. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of going to be an indicator for, is he going to be ready by that Iowa game yeah, or is it maybe going to be a little longer? This, Yeah. Especially like you said, Jack, this, tur- this tournament is very key because that's, there's no rest in between the games. So yeah, see, do you, how much utilization see, quick, does he actually have? Do you see them sitting him out? you know, one of those three games, maybe the one in the middle. Do you see that happening? If if he is not healed properly or if he's experiencing soreness or pain, yeah. Like, I, I think he'll play the first one because he's, he's had, you know, almost a week between the last game, or not quite a week, but almost a week between the last game and the first game of that tournament. If there's any kind of indication that he's like, eh, it's a little iffy, then middle that middle game, nah, you're not going to see him. But maybe five minutes, if that, they might try him out just to see. And if he's hobbling a little bit, he's he's going to get pulled. They they know they need him for the rest of the season, not for the PK85. So yeah, I, I think the middle game might be the one where you see him rested if he is. And if he's rested in the middle game, I'd be willing to bet he wouldn't play that last game either. You know, it could also be one of these things that uh, just kind of comparing it a little bit to the the, the Proctor situation where. You know, Proctor kind of struggles with his shot early. Then, you know, that second half, he sees a couple go down, and then it's kind of like the lid comes off, so to speak. It's not the same because he's coming off of an injury, and a lot of a lot of his shot, there wasn't a whole lot of lift there. Uh, it seemed quite flat to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could be a case, though, Jack, that if he sees a couple go down, that's a great sign, and, and that could be the confidence that he needs to get going. I mean, maybe, but I kind of feel like it's more of a lively situation where he's got to get used to being in the flow of it again. And, you know, we've seen Lively slowly but surely getting there. I mean, he he had, what, two points, five rebounds, two assists, and a block mm-hmm. in 23 minutes against Bellerman. He had, like, five points, two rebounds, four assists against Delaware. But he was incredibly effective in that time without necessarily putting stuff into the box. And he's another one, too, that, his movement on the floor is not the same. Like he had a couple dunks where it's like, he barely got the dunk in. He's seven, two with a seven ten wingspan and an almost a nine foot standing reach. It's like, he he is, he is also not the bouncy Derek lively that we know. So we have two yeah. guys that are going to be stars that are not, I wouldn't even say either one of them is at 90%. Like the is even less than that. Now that's so, that being said though, like I think, I think that Whitehead is still going to provide some intensity, even mm-hmm. if he's not fully there physically. He's moving on the floor so well. He's in great spots on offense. He he does the things that make Derek Whitehead great. Like 
He's in the big IQ spots. Was still there. IQ was still there. Like that, you saw it on that baseline cut. Like he's he's in the right spot on defense. His length is going to be a problem for for people that he's defending. And he's and he's doing it right now. So even at you know a lower percentage, you can still see he he's like he almost looks like at the moment he almost looks like a like the best like role player that you could have on your team. Like you bring in like a sixth or seventh guy off the bench, and if you're bringing that guy off the bench, people are like, oh wow, what a glue guy or what you know this this guy is one of those guys that'll lead you to a, a, a NCAA tournament final. Like that with the measurables and stuff that he has and the way he's playing, he's doing those things. But he is. He is so much more than that. So I can't, I can't wait to see him actually help me. Is it unfair, before we get to our next segment, to give a stock prediction on him, Jack? I mean, you're obviously our expert here. So is it, is it unfair to even <laughs> give him one? It is unfair, yeah. It has to be. Like, we, we haven't seen him at 100%. He's still getting the swing of things. He's played 26 minutes this season. Yeah, one guy that's not unfair to give a stock market prediction for is Paul Philpachi. <laughs> I'm not going to I can barely say it without laughing because, I mean, he had two games, again, 18 and 8 in both. The guy is stepping out. He's hustling. He's rebounding. He's diving on the floor. He's getting blocked. He's running the break. Uh, uh, no one's, I just looked at a uh, mock draft, which everybody loves. I saw that he's ahead of Lively, um, ahead of Proctor, all those guys at 22, I think, in the last one I saw. Mm-hmm. Is it unfair before we even give a stock market prediction on this guy to say that he could now be one and done after they start AC? Um, I think it is unfair. And talking about stock market, I would sell I would sell flip stock right now. I, I think he's as high this season as he can get unless unless he is more efficient with his offense. If 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 that's the case and he's just going to continue getting double doubles then he is Lowry Markinen which compared him to at the beginning of the season and then he is going to go. So so then I'm wrong on the stock market, but I, I would I would sell. He's so high right now. He's like he's the team's alpha scorer which I did not see coming at all and I don't know if that's sustainable for him. So let's just see how it plays out. I, I love what he's doing for us. If if this is going to continue, awesome. I just want to see him be more efficient on on the offensive end. That that's that's it for me with Flip. Like I, I really like what he's doing. Yeah, Jack. He was three of five from three in this game against Bellarmine. Um, you know he's leading the team in both points and rebounds, which none of us had. Do you have a different take here? Do you want to sell Flip stock right now while it's extremely high, or do you want to say, you know what, I'm going to hold, or I'm even going to buy some more because I think the sky's the limit. I'm going to hold here. I think. I think we got to see what Flip can do against higher level competition consistently. I want to see what he does this week. And I think Monday, at the day after the last game of the PK85, is a better time to reevaluate, honestly. Because okay. I think at that point, it'll be easier to make a decision on buy or sell for the next at least month or so. I see, a, I see a lot of similarities to <clears throat> Christian Leitner um, with Flip and so look here's the actual. This is why I I'm see a lot of similarities. And you had the nerve to laugh at Jack for the Dirk Nowitzki comment. I see. I a said lot he was like Dirk in high school. <laughs> I see a lot of similarities to early Duke Christian Leitner. The I way he shoots the ball. Uh, the way he, he he's so tough, and whatever Shire said to him in the offseason, mm-hmm. uh, that something clicked and pissed him off. And if that happens, look out. So I'm gonna and, hold as well. 
And maybe is it possible that some of those guys were overreacting over one practice that they saw? Is that possible? It's possible. It's possible. But but to be fair, we're kind of hearing the same things. If you go back to our preseason podcast, we weren't. I know, know, quite frankly, I wasn't. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I'm going to hold. Talk about a guy that we all kind of love so far, uh, Blake. I mean, Mm -hmm. let's just give the credit where it's due. Yes, sir. I'm going to start here. I'm going to buy up whatever stock is still left at the current price because it's only going to go up. Yeah. It has like, yeah, I think you can you can buy or you can hold with Blake's. He's just, he's going to be the same player all season. Like I don't I, even even in big games against good teams, he's still going to be the fire starter. He's still going to hit his shots that he takes. He's not he's not overshooting. He's not taking shots he shouldn't take. Like I, I love what Blake's is doing right now, man. I, I'd hold. I'd hold. Jack? I would hold leaning toward a potential sell because we don't know how many minutes he's going to get the rest of the way. Obviously, he's going to get like 10, 15, but he's getting up to 20-ish now, and Mm -hmm. who knows if his production will sustain in limited minutes as Whitehead gets higher and higher in the rotation. I think that's fair. I think his production is what his value is because we're not looking for him to, to, to give us buckets. His defensive uh, ability and his toughness out there is going to get him that 15 minutes when Whitehead comes back or not. And it kind of leads us into our second or our third guy, Grandison. AC, I'm all in here because mm-hmm. I like Grandison coming in. He took a dip. Probably a, a good time to buy for him as well because those two coming off the bench with the toughness, with the threes, Getting people involved, bringing the energy. I think I'm going to buy some Grandison right now as well. Yeah, that the the Kansas game was like shocking, so I'm going to buy because his stock was low at that point, and and now people are ready to write him off. Like I'm, I'm certainly buying. It, he is somebody that number one, you don't want him to lose minutes as Dorit gets more, and number two, the, the amount of shots he's taking, what he's doing on the floor is absolutely perfect. He is the, a he is the consummate glue guy. Like he and Blake's, we have two of them off the bench. This is amazing. So no, I, I want to see more of see more of Grandison on the floor at times. So yeah, no, let me buy let me buy on Grandison. Jack, no, I'm also buying on Jake. I think his last two performances have been incredible, and really his rap his role and value can only really go up from here. I think he's he's a really good defensive player. He can shoot the ball. And he's been given the opportunity to do that the last couple of games to kind of show it, but I still think his value goes up. And then overall for the team so far, uh, what you've seen, AC, mm-hmm. from this team, where we can potentially be, what, what are you doing with this Duke overall team stuff? This has to be the most obvious buy, right? Because Especially because we don't have any semblance of what we're going to get from Derek Whitehead or Derek Lively the rest of the season. So it's an obvious buy for me, man. It's, the sky is the limit with the squad. Everybody's doing what they're supposed to do, and it, it's the perfect time to be able to bring two guys off of injury. It's not like we're bringing them in late where it's going to disrupt things. We kind of talked about that before. It, it's I, I love it. I love where we are. It, it's an obvious buy for me. Jack? Yeah, I'm also buying. I mean, I don't know how much I'm buying because I really – don't know how, how high the ceiling truly is or how low the floor can be. I think we haven't really seen we haven't really seen the team struggle yet. And I think especially come March, the team's gonna have to know how to struggle. Take a look at it, right? that. 
that Kansas game, we we shot horribly. We were two for seventeen from three. We yes. were under under forty two percent on on the field from two. Like, I feel like that's about as bad as this team can get. That's true, but that's also the only like high level competition Duke has faced, and sure. I think. In, it's in, quite in November, I love it. I, I'm still buying. I still think the team can go really far. Mm-hmm. It's more than anything a matter of how far and I think how that's good are they going to do against this high level competition. Because of our defense, we've seen our, our floor. Rebounding, I think that's our floor. I think yeah. Kansas is our floor. Well, yeah, I mean, I think our floor is a lot higher than we have had in the past in terms of when we we can always stay in the game through our defense, and we haven't always had that yes. in the past. So. That's why I think our floor is a little bit higher mm-hmm. um, because we're going to be in every single game. And if you're in every single game, you can win some of those ones that you're not mm-hmm. shooting very well. And we could have easily won that Kansas game, right? Yeah. So, and we didn't play very well, uh, but mm-hmm. defensively, we're always there. So for me, I'm going to buy while I still can. And I know that tomorrow is Thanksgiving and the markets are closed, but luckily for everybody out there, Jack, the five point play podcast exchange is always open, and I'm very thankful for that. Shout Speaking out to Violent Jack. Can we talk about <laughs> that? We're, we're, we're going to talk about what we're thankful for, AC. Uh, it is Shout out to Street Jack. <laughs> so, the, the Wolf of Wall Street over here. Um, Jack so, was giving it to us in the text chain this morning, y'all. I just want y'all to know. So, that's why he's, his new nickname is The Streets. Because <laughs> Jack uh, is The Streets. I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> nah, and, and so we're going to switch gears to something a little more positive and just say one real good thing that you're thankful for uh, for, for Duke and, and, the, and the program. It it could be your favorite podcast host, TK, but whatever <laughs> it is, AC, what are you thankful for? I am I'm, I'm going to go thankful that our program has been able to sustain so far the loss of a legend. Like you've seen so many so many iconic programs over the past lose their head coach that they've had for for decades, if not, you know, last whatever, you know, the, the coach that defines that program. And there is always a struggle period, always. And this this program has really set themselves up to be able to sustain and keep moving forward between hiring a general manager, between hiring someone from within the program who is just, you know, brilliant, a brilliant basketball mind to all the other pieces, our, our, our athletic director, you know, everyone else around the program. So I, I am very thankful that Duke basketball has not taken a step back because watching these games, I don't feel like I'm watching something different. I feel like I'm watching, even though some of the things they do are a little different, I feel like I'm still watching a, a high quality product. So I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. And I, I kind of want to build off of that because I have written down here, I'm thankful for the Brotherhood 2.0. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, and it kind of started with Filipowski, right? Guy that wants to come in and be that first player for for John Shire. He was the first commit uh, for the Shire era, mm-hmm. and a guy that said, "Hey, this this program is going to sustain." And so, for the five guys that just signed their letter of intent uh, to come in for next year, the guys they signed this year, um, I'm thankful for the the guys that that believe in this and believe in the brand. And it, this thing's not going away. And uh, I'm just very thankful that I get to be a fan for that. So um, I'll, I'll say that, Jack. You can not uh, finish Speaking this of that, up. real quick, can we please yeah. next show dedicate a segment to Mac Mbako, please? Because he did not get his due. Yes. You promised me. You promised That's me, true. DK. You promised Mac me. would get his day. That's you right. Uh, it is written down. It's still written down here. <laughs> I will get to it. We just couldn't shoehorn it in. I'm not going to try to shortchange him. <laughs> All right, Jack, what are you thankful for? 
I mean, I'm thankful for Duke basketball in general, but I'm going to go more specific to this season. I'm thankful for Ryan Young for a couple of reasons. He might not be, you know, a superstar player or anything, but he's, he's a guy who knows his role. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who's a leader. He's experienced. And my favorite thing, I tweeted about this during the uh, Bellarmine game. This is a guy who is a coach. He is a coach. He is directing traffic on offense and on defense, whether or not he's actually like in the game. He will get up. He will stand next to Shire, and he will scream directions at guys. He will coach people up, and I, I really think that's an incredible, valuable asset that Duke is going to have this year and hopefully next year as well, if not further down the line. I, I really think he's a good guy to have on the team for that. I it's like him. how Patrick Tappé was so mm-hmm. instrumental to Mark Williams' development. Mm-hmm. But if Tappé was able to play in power, like power conference games consistently. Yeah, you, you can go back to J-Rob with stuff like that, man. Like, I, I love this Duke, this new thing we have with this Duke super senior that just doesn't sit down on the sideline and is, is just constantly in people's ear. Like, Theo John last year, Grandison and Ryan Young this season, J-Rob. You talked about um, you just talked about Tape. Like I, I love that man. It's it's so cool, and it is something these young guys need, man. It's it's I love that. I love it. Let's play. A lot to be thankful for there, and luckily for us, we got three games in four days coming up, Ooh. starting tomorrow, Thanksgiving Day, three p.m. Eastern time, up in Portland, Oregon. We go up against Oregon State. Um, I don't know a whole lot about Oregon State Beavers. Uh, AC, do you know <laughs> they're not that? good? Not good. <laughs> Not good. They have they got three they have three perimeter scorers and Taylor Pope and Akano that make up the the huge bulk of their scoring. If those guys are off, they're off. They're they're not a good three point shooting team. They they lack size. They don't they don't defend well. They don't rebound well. They shoot horribly from three, which falls right into our hands of our two big lineup. Like our two big lineup right now is the best lineup we have at the moment. And with Lively and Flip, I expect to see those two being able to just kind of handle this game, honestly. I think you'll see some work from Jeremy as well. And, yeah, no, we should handle this game pretty not pretty easily. Like, yeah, we might might be one of those single digit at the half type things. We're going to pull away. Like, yeah, not, we're definitely going to beat Oregon State. Um, and I'll just give the prediction now. I'll say we'll beat them 82-61. to 82-61. Um that's interesting. I, I do think with the travel uh, going across the country, being up in Oregon, uh, it's going to be a noon game uh, up in the Pacific Northwest. I think we're going to struggle with our shot a little bit early. Um, so I'm going to go with 77 to 51, uh, but pretty close to what you have there, uh, AC. What do you think it's going to be there, bro? No, it's always going to be there. That's the whole thing. I mean, I, I agree. I think the defense is going to be a pretty big thing. I think it's going to be probably like 79 to 81 for Duke. And then probably around 57 points for Oregon State. This is a team, yeah, they're 3-1. They had three wins all of last year. Didn't bring that many guys in. They've played some pretty low competition. Um, yeah, they – I kind of feel bad for them after Sweet 16 Cinderella run, mm-hmm. lose their best players to the transfer portal and, mm-hmm. you know, going 3-28. and 28, That's just tough. I – I really don't know if this is a team that would be able to beat Louisville. <laughs> Damn. Damn, Jack. Uh, like, I didn't expect it's, that. It's that beat Louisville? That barely put yeah. up 10 points in, in a half. I don't Talk about I don't the toilet. Yeesh. 
<laughs> I actually oh, think God. it's that it's that bad. I think Jeez. this is a game that Whitehead missed at the second half just because the team's comfortable out there. Yeah, possibly you can see that absolutely. If you if you see that, then I think they're definitely gearing him up for the next game. Yes. All right. So speaking of the next game, uh, it's either going to be uh, Florida or Xavier. That'll be Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, they play obviously right after our game uh, tomorrow. So mm-hmm. I don't know anything about either one of these two teams. They're both three mm-hmm. and one. Uh, I know a lot of people were probably a little bit higher on Xavier. Is that right? Or am I just completely off there, AC? Yeah, no, Xavier is the better team. You you couldn't have two totally different teams. I've I've watched both of these a couple of times now. You couldn't have two totally different teams. Xavier is a – they have two bigs, and they play the lineup like us. They got a two-big lineup. They shoot kind of the same percentage we shoot from three, about 35%. And they are are rebounding machines, and they are just tough. This is a tough – older team so that that would be an absolute tough game for us to play to move into the championship it, it's going to be a dogfight with them i feel like we'd have a little bit of an easier time at florida they only have castleton in the middle they, and he's he's kind of their go-to when it comes to rebounds and everything else he grabs every defensive board that comes his way but they don't offensive rebound very well at all and they're not great shooters from two or from three so i i'd, I'd rather see florida than xavier but you know what bring the competition on man i like it but I, I do think Xavier wins that game, and I think we play Xavier to to get to the championship. Do you have a score for us? Um, if we play Florida, I think we beat them by double digits. I think it's something like 75 to 65 or six, maybe even 70, 75 to 65 or so. But I, I think if we're playing Xavier, I think that's a single-digit game that we got to hit free throws at the end of the game to win. If it's Xavier, something around – 70 to, to 68, 69. Yeah, it's going to be a very close game. Well, if we play Florida, uh, then I'll give it 75 to 60. It's going to be a little bit better than that. And then Xavier, I'm, yeah, I agree. 73, 67. Jack, what do you got? I think Florida is uh, probably 79 to 68. I think Xavier is probably about 75 to 71. It's going to be really close. Mm-hmm. I, I like Nunge a lot. I like his game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Xavier's good, man. That's a, I think I said 35% for Xavier. They're shooting 44% for three. They're a good team, I mean, man. That is a good team. <laughs> they got they got three guys shooting above 50% from three right now. Yeah, they're a good team, bro. That is a good team. So if we are able to do as we say and, and move on to the championship game, it will be uh, Sunday. And mm-hmm. do we all expect that we would play Gonzaga there? Uh, I mean, it's kind of like a home away from home for them, right? Yeah, and the only, the only team I can see beating Gonzaga would be West Virginia. West Virginia is their typical Bob Huggins scrappy squad, a bunch of dudes around the same height, 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, there are a lot of sophomores on that team, but there are sophomores in what I call the best high school class I've ever seen. So you think they're going to pass Edie and uh, Purdue? Oh, yeah. That I was going to say, full don't of, sleep on Purdue. That, that, they are full of freshmen. Zach Edie slows everything down as usual. They are. I, so I'm sorry, West Virginia is going to beat up on Purdue. They're going to beat up on them. I, I, no, thank you. I, this, <laughs> I, I think I think it's gonna be West Virginia Gonzaga. They 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 have the surfboard's brother, Foster Lawyer's brother, Trey Jones, is surfboard. He's on he's on Purdue's team. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, I, I, do you I don't, think Timmy can get around uh, Edie and defend oh, him yeah. on the other side? Zach Edie's not a good. You think defender, he can defend him? He can. He, can he defend him? No, Zach Edie's gonna get twenty five points as he always does. But it's gonna be twenty five and ten, and it's inefficient. It's two two point shots, no free throws, and. He can't defend. He can't run down Are the floor. Are you calling Edie uh, empty stats? Yes, absolutely. I am. He he is. Hunter Dickinson is. All those big, all these big lumber and seven two guys are empty stats, man. That's why I'm love. I love. We have a seven two 
a couple of seven two players that can run the floor and defend and do some of the other things. Like, nah, man, uh-uh. Nah, Purdue, uh, well, you, I, I'm you, out you on Purdue. You know, you know who Mr. Empty Stats? Oh, the, the triple B. Your boy. <laughs> Your guy. Armando Bacon. Calling you out, baby. Horrible. But yes, no. Purdue... I don't think so. It's gonna it's gonna be West Virginia Gonzaga. I, I don't know that West Virginia has enough scores to hang with the Zags overall. I think it'll be one of those close, tough games. They might even be leading for a little bit. Gonzaga will take over. Timmy's gonna get his free throws. They're gonna win the end of the game like that. And it's, they they want Gonzaga and Duke. They they want it. They need it. Phil Knight's gonna be calling it in from the sideline. Conspiracy. <laughs> uh, so what do you got for uh, for us versus the Zags then? I think we could beat them. They they move the ball well and stuff, but again, defensively, we're going to be tough with them. And I think I think just like last year, the matchup was Mark Williams versus Drew Timmy, and and Mark Williams ate his lunch. I don't know that Der- Derek Lively can do the same thing that Mark did to Timmy, but I think he can make his life miserable. We're not going to have to double down like everybody else has had to against Timmy this season. We're going to be able to play one on one, so some of the backdoor cuts with Bolton and some of the other guys aren't going to happen. Again, a very close game, seventy-two to sixty-nine, kind of like last year. But I, I think I think we win that one. Sixty-nine, nice. Um, <laughs> Jack, what do you uh, what do you got? I think uh, seventy-eight to seventy-four, Duke win uh, if we play Gonzaga. That being said, that's a big if because West Virginia shoots the lights out. Mm-hmm. And as we have seen very recently, that's Gonzaga's weakness is if you can shoot the lights out. Can we do a West Virginia-Gonzaga upset then? I'd love that. Yeah. Jack, Jack, feel free. I mean, if you want to say, Jack. you know, yeah, come. I mean, I think, Duke can, I think Duke can outshoot Gonzaga, and I think they can win that way. Mm-hmm. That being said, it's going to be a grinded out game relative to last year's Pretty high scoring, 166 points between the two teams, right? Yeah. I, just I think it's going to be a little lower, like 20 points less. Wonderful question. Faith. Will they um, let that happen? I mean, I don't know if they have an option if it's like that game against Texas where they're just shooting threes on threes on threes and they're all falling. Right, right. I think that's a pretty big differentiator because i mean yeah gonzaga has guys who can do that but they don't necessarily have guys mm-hmm. who will consistently do that and, and they, they have to it. rely on timmy to get open right and yeah they can't play defense for their lives my goodness it's that's what i'm excited about because you know i think having the two big set against mm-hmm. the zags is a huge mismatch mm-hmm. this year they don't have a chat yep. they just have timmy and who is it they're uh, – who's the guy that have been running at the four this year? Uh, Strother. Yeah, Strother. Who's good. I like, I think, him. I like him. I, I think like him a lot. Strother's going to get – I like his game a lot. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to get eaten alive if Duke's yeah. putting out two centers. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's, that's the big thing. I think Flip – yeah, I think he's probably going to get matched up with Flip because mm-hmm. Flip has the perimeter game. And I think Flip's going to just back him down, eat him alive. Mm-hmm. Get him, Jack. West Virginia's going to beat Gonzaga. I'm, I'm doing it right now. West Virginia's beating Gonzaga. I hope. You're, you're, I hope. you're flipping, too. I, I am, I'm flipping it. I'm doing it right now. I called. I, I got the money on the overtime before the Duke game in the Champions Classic, and I'm doing it again. I'm putting the FanDuel bet on West Virginia beating Gonzaga, damn it. And I think Duke the beats score, West Virginia 67-62. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's what I mean. What do you got for that? We're going to have to score against West Virginia. 
<laughs> so it's going to be a higher scoring game. I think it's going to be somewhere around like 80 to 77. If it's West All right, well, I'll, I'll be the lone wolf here uh, if you ever watch uh, NFL game day. Uh, I think it will be Duke, <laughs> Gonzaga, Duke 79, 77. There it is. PK champions yet again. Uh, everybody have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Settle in. Get plenty of turkey stuffing. Pause. Cranberry sauce, gravy, whatever it is that you guys. Until after the Duke game, though. Yeah. Uh, it's true. It's true. And join AC for the Thanksgiving version of the Brotherhood Chug. Absolutely. Uh, who, who will be there live? <laughs> but what do you got? What are you going to sip on AC for the uh, for the holiday? It's going to be something nice, man. It's going to have to be some. Yeah. I, got, I got a nice little Japanese scotch, a little hot sake. I think I'm going to have to go oh. with sake. Oh, yes. oh, I don't think that we were paying you that much. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, there we have it. Let's uh, let's enjoy the holiday and watch uh, our favorite team for three games in four days. Let's go, Duke. Happy Thanksgiving. Let's go, Duke. Happy Turkey Day. Let's go, Duke. Hey, guys. Thanks for checking out the Five Point Play podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And also check us out on Twitter and Instagram, Five Point Play Podcast. Let's go, Duke.